Now, since the holiday season is approaching, I thought that uh, it might be good for us to look at our relationship with people. You know, there's a place where Jesus is just consternated. He says, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say to do? And one of the things he talked about more than anything else was how we relate to those people around us. And practicing the Christian faith should begin in the home. And yet, let's face it, sometimes we wind up hurting those who are closest to us just because it's almost like you would think that familiarity bred contempt. But those that are closest to us and in our homes, many times are the place where we practice what the Lord preached less than any other place. And so I want us to look the next four weeks at how to relate to different kinds of people. And this passage today kind of sets the whole stage for it because here we see Jesus at Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house in Bethany. And you see, this is the, we, we see them all together uh, one time before. We see them two times before. First of all, we see them where uh, Jesus has just come to visit. He is the guest of honor. Mary is rushing about, hustling and bustling and trying to get things done. Lazarus is there as the host, presiding kind of. Jesus is the guest of honor, and everybody's so excited that he is there. And Mary is at the feet of Jesus, just taking in everything that he has to say. And Martha comes running up to Jesus and says, Lord, make Mary get up and get busy. All this work to be done. And remember, Jesus defended her. And he said, Martha, Martha, you're just troubled about so many things. And yet only one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen the good part. That was the first meeting. The next meeting, Lazarus has died and he is raised from the dead by Jesus. And now we see them in this third time together and I want you to see the similarity between this and the first time. It's like these people just have their place in life and in the home. Because if you'll see, Jesus is once more the guest of honor. And everybody's so glad that he's there. Lazarus is there with Jesus. And then we see, what does it say about Martha? And Martha was serving. She's at it again, you see. She's hustling and bustling around. And where is Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. This time she is anointing his feet with this precious, precious perfumed oil. And this time it's somebody else that complains about Mary. This time it's Judas. Now, as you gather in your different homes around Christmas time, Thanksgiving, New Year's, you know, you're going to be around people who have different roles in your family. 
And you could just about pick out these different kinds of roles. There's always going to be a Martha rushing around, hustling and bustling and making sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Do we have any Marthas here? Let's see your hands if you're a Martha. Yeah. Okay. Lots of Marthas here. And then uh, we have, uh, so you've got, you got your Aunt Martha there. Or your, uh, then there's uh, always, there's always a Mary, be it a sister Mary or an Aunt Mary. That one who's always so loving and, uh, and you're just glad that she came. You know, there's always that one that you just feel better because she's there. That's kind of the way Mary is. She just always knows the right thing. She's going to get you the right Christmas present every time. Says the right word at the right time. We need Martha's. We need Mary's. And then there's uh, Lazarus, of course. You got the father, the grandfather, the, the, the Uncle George or whatever. That's just kind of the one that's the head of the clan that's there. Jesus should be in the house. He should always be the unspoken guest of honor in your homes. And then sometimes there's a Aunt Judy or a Uncle Judas who just always throws a damper on things. There's nearly always one of those. And sometimes that role moves around. Like we see one time it's Martha throwing a damper on things. Another time it's Judas throwing a damper on things. That kind of thing can move around in the family. It could be a different time for a different thing. But here we see Judas being critical. And we're seeing something go on here. And so this kind of sets the stage for what we're going to be doing the next uh uh, well, this Sunday, the next three Sundays. Today, we're going to be looking at critical people. Next week, we're going to be looking at needy people. Then the next week, we're going to be looking at manipulating people. And then finally, we're going to be looking at hypocritical people. And uh, let's face it, that we all come across people like these every day. And Jesus loves them. Even though they're problem people in your life, Jesus loves these people. And he wants us to relate to them, not to just ignore them or to shun them, but to love them in Jesus' name. And so today, let's get started with critical people. How do we handle critical people? Uh, how many of you would say that you know someone that's very, very critical. Let's see your hands. Okay. All right. How many of you are sitting next to that person? Don't raise your hand. Don't. Ah, okay. It's too slow on that one, but uh, trying to avoid some conflict in homes. But anyway, but uh, we all know critical people. We know hyper critical people. Uh, now then, the truth is, all of us deal with people who are critical. It's just a part of life. People are going to criticize us for what we do or what we don't do. In fact, let's just, I want you to say uh, out loud, I will be criticized. Let's say it together now. One, two, three. I will be criticized. It's a fact of life. It's going to happen. But how do you handle it when it does? And that's what I want to talk about today. All through the Bible, 
you see how common it is. Uh, Moses was criticized by his own family members uh, for the woman he married. He married a Cushite woman and Aaron and Miriam, his brother and sister. They just couldn't stand it that he married somebody like this. So if you're married to someone and your family doesn't like them, welcome to the Moses Club. You're in good company. Uh, he was also criticized for, of all things, leading the people out of slavery. For years, there were those in the bunch saying, oh, I wish we could be back in Egypt where things were so much better than they are today. They criticized him for setting them free. In the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul, this incredible, godly evangelist. He was criticized. They called him a hypocrite. They said he wasn't a good teacher. Jesus was criticized. One without sin the very son of God. Well, he hangs out with the wrong kind of people. Uh, he, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. His friends are the sinners and he heals on the Sabbath and he doesn't make his disciples wash their hands before they eat. Just all sorts of criticism that Jesus faced. So you see, if you're getting criticized, you're in real good company really good company. So one of the things that we need to know today is that praise and criticism are windows to the heart. In fact, Ecclesiastes 7.5 says, it's better to be criticized by a wise person than praised by a fool. Praise and criticism tell us a lot about what people think and what people believe. Reminds me of a true story uh, a pastor was relating about uh, uh, a guy that was complaining about his roommate. And he told this pastor over and over again one day just how ungodly his roommate was. He said he looks at pornography and he's filled with lust and just with disdain was talking about his roommate. Then the very next day after hearing this criticism, that pastor found out that the criticizer was having an affair with a married woman. So sometimes people are criticizing over the thing that they're wrestling with the most themselves. Maybe that's why Jesus said, before you try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye, get that too before out of your own. What you praise often reveals what you value. And what someone criticizes is often a window into the very point of their own insecurity. The truth is, most of the time, those who are most critical are the ones that really don't like themselves. And they'll criticize you because it helps them to look better in their own eyes, they think. It helps them to feel like they're making a difference in this world by calling attention to your flaws. It helps them feel more important or more special. And uh, the reality is the most critical people are often the ones that are the most inwardly miserable. So how do you deal with criticism? I want you to look quickly at two wrong responses and then three right responses. And I'm going to uh, 
relate a story to you to kind of help you understand the wrong responses because I have been there. Uh, I have been a hypercritical person myself in the past, and I have also been the brunt of hurtful, mean criticism. And so uh, the things I'm sharing with you are things that I have learned from and uh, that I have uh, gone through. Early on, and this is before the Lord took me to the woodshed on some of these things, I was pastoring a church and one of the attendees was a pastor that had lost his job. And uh, he and his family were attending our congregation while he was hoping to get a job preaching somewhere else. And he'd sit out there. He sat right over there, about, about where Heather's sitting, about where this guy would sit every Sunday. And uh, I would notice that whenever I was preaching, he would take out a pad and paper and he kept notes. And it just made me feel so good. Here's a preacher and he's learning from me. You know, he's, he's getting, and he'd, he'd, he'd write something down, then he'd, he'd write something down. And just really was an encouragement to me that this preacher uh, would take notes on my sermons so, so religiously. And then one day he gave me a call and said, Joel, this is after a couple of years of doing this. He said, I've got something that the Lord's really laid on my heart I need to share with you. And so uh, he came in to the, uh, my study and he pulled out all this big wad of paper. He said, now, whenever I'm uh, like teaching my children, I like to just kind of ask questions. So I'm going to start with kind of the latest and then move back. And so, so this last week, whenever you were telling this story about this woman, how do you think people felt about that woman? And all of a sudden it was one of these do moments where you go back and you reinterpret history in a new light. And I realized that every time he was writing something down, he was writing something he thought was wrong down. What I thought were nuggets that he was taking back to grow from were places he thought I needed to grow and some help that I needed along the way. My initial thought was, I preach every Sunday. You hadn't preached for two years. <laughs> hey, buddy, I've got the church. Who are you to be telling me how to preach? You know, that was what was going. And I was just about to respond in a wrong way because this is our most normal reaction is to defend ourselves when we're criticized. Whenever somebody finds fault, we want to, to stand up for ourselves. We want to, uh, we, we respond, we want to fight. And I was ready to let him have it with both barrels when my part, my, 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 my study phone rang. I picked it, it was his wife, asked for him. It turns out that uh, snow had started falling and this guy was driving a bus for the school to help make ends meet. And he had to leave and go and uh, pick up kids from school. So that cut our, con I never got my response out. And I'm so glad in, in hindsight, I'm so glad because you see, there, are a lot, there was a lot going on there and I wasn't going to handle it in the right way. The way we normally handle things like that is we respond by wanting to fight and then flight.
we want to fight with them then and then not have anything to do with them after that, right? And play the conversation over and over in your head. Next time I see them, then I'm going to tell them so and so and so and so. That's the way that's, and it says in Proverbs, there's a way which seemeth right unto a person, but the end thereof is destruction. The way that we normally respond is from the flesh. And it's your reactions that tell us more about where you are with God than your actions. So in my reaction, I, I found my growing edge. I found my growing edge. It was how did I handle criticism? And so uh, I, I did learn. And uh, But the thing is, with that kind of there as an example of the wrong ways, Let's go ahead and look at some right responses, the way that we should respond. First of all, the first response is you should ask yourself, is what these people saying true? They may even intend to hurt you with it, but ask yourself, is it true? Because if you especially if you respond by wanting to fight and what they're saying is true, how does that make you look to other people? Not too good, does it? But if it's true, you should learn from it. You should grow from it. And then the thing is, I uh, don't have a whole lot of time. In fact, I've already run out of time. So I'm just going to kind of summarize this whole thing all up here and go back to my, my, my friend. He would still be my friend because we didn't have that conversation. Uh, the thing is, he really, his intentions were good. He was wanting to help me be a better preacher. If I had been willing to receive his constructive criticism in a right way, he might have been very helpful to me. And I nearly lost a friend by handling something in a wrong way, and his intentions were good. So we need to listen, ask ourselves, is it true? And if somebody is trying to help us, we need to try to be receptive. Sometimes the truth hurts, let's face it, but... I'll, I'll tell you, the longer you go at this, it finally gets so if somebody is trying to destroy you and they are hurling insults at you, if they are true, you can handle them in a different way. What does it do to your enemy if they say something that's, that's trying to hurt you and it's true and instead of saying, what? And you get pulled down to their level. Instead... If you say, you know what? You're right. What does that do to your enemy? Man, it just totally deflates whatever they're trying to do. They're trying to pull a response out of you. But instead, you wind up just taking all their ammo away from them. And you say, thank you for that. You found my growing edge. What can I do to work on this? Man, that could just totally turn things around, can't it? But uh, anyway, but so let's face it, there are, uh, there's going to, you should be able to listen to well-intended constructive criticism and learn to discern the difference. Uh, learn to discern and listen. When a person can help, listen to them. Another place in Proverbs, it says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject this kind of criticism, the Bible says, you only harm yourself. And I would argue today that so many people aren't maxing out 
on whatever they do because they haven't learned the art of learning from constructive criticism. So uh, just ask yourself, is it the truth? That's number one. If it's true, try to assimilate it and grow from it. And then listen to it. Uh, listen to it when the person... Oh, and also, it could be that that person is missing some information and their criticism is based on a false assumption. And if that's the case, sometimes you just give them a little bit of information and their whole response is going to change. And also, if a person is open to receiving some more information. Sometimes there's some people, let's face it, that are just going to be critical. That's just them. And this is another thing, whenever it's, there's criticism, some criticism you receive, others you go ahead. And I wouldn't say that you, uh, some people would want to say that you just dismiss invalid criticism. But I would say discount uh, invalid criticism. Discount it. Don't dismiss it. Discount it. Uh, because you see, uh, well, it could be that uh, if it's not so, that person's got a problem. And if you dismiss them and just walk away from them, you do one thing. If you discount it and you still listen to them and you go ahead and you try to understand where they're coming from, you can find out where they're hurting. And sometimes, if you can't do anything else, you can start praying for them. You know, the Lord tells us, love your enemies and do good to those who spitefully use you. So uh, anyway, if hypercritical people, sometimes you have to take what they say with a grain of salt. Now, I'm just going to bring us to a conclusion. Dealing with uh, uh, critical people is a part of life. I'm going to be criticized. So are you. At the end of the day, there's one thing I want to, you to take away with you today. And uh, that's this. I hope that you'll let this become a part of you. We can't please all the people all the time, can we? But you can please God, right? And you should be living out your life before an audience of one. You should be living your life out before him. And if you're living life before him, uh, just like Paul said, he, just, he said in, uh, second, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, our purpose is to please God, not people. And so... Take your criticism, the criticism that other people offer, prayerfully consider it, consider the source, discount it if necessary, forgive those who are trying to hurt you with their criticism, love them in spite of themselves, and then go before God and ask Him about it. Make sure, double check with Him. Is what they're saying true? If not, God, am I pleasing you? And if you're pleasing him, that's all that matters. And you'll be able to sleep that night. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.